you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, and look who's joining us, Nick Costos. You better you bet. He is the man, and of course, you can check out his podcast as well. My man, Brian Baldinger. Brian uh, Baldinger's breakdowns. Baldy's breakdowns are absolutely amazing, guys. Make sure you check those out. And this podcast is in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, and make sure you tell your friends. We've got a lot to get to, guys. Want to talk some betting with Nick, as we do each and every week. And I want to start with the Thursday night game. We're recording this podcast on Thursday. Obviously, we've got Lions-Packers tonight. Lions are, what, a two-point favorite? This number went up a little bit, Nick. And after last week's beatdown of the Falcons, it was physical and mental beatdown of the Falcons. Uh, I'm looking at this Lions team, and I'm saying, all right, they might have some pieces here, but they're on the road. What do you think here in tonight's Thursday night football game? Yeah, I think it's it's great to be on with you guys. It's a really tough game to try and predict because Green Bay is introducing like the two pieces back on offense, one of one of which we haven't seen yet the entire season, and Christian Watson, who, and I don't know if like Baldy agrees with this, but I watch the guy. I feel like his upside is to be like a top five, like top seven receiver in the league if he's able to hit his ceiling. That's a big deal introducing Christian Watson back into the equation. And now here's Aaron Jones also. I'm not the biggest A.J. Dillon fan. Looks to me like he's running in molasses. So I think Jones coming back provides like a big spark to that run game in Green Bay. But now like it's a bunch of pieces that we haven't seen all fit together. So it's hard for me to kind of say like, hey, here's how I think like the like the Packers, like a like route participation is going to go or who's going to catch the most most passes, etc. As far as handicapping the game, uh, I like Green Bay a little bit here. I do like Green Bay a little bit on a short week playing at home. Um, the Jared Goff like home road splits thing has kind of been done to death. I think everyone knows about it at this point. He plays better at home, better stats at home. And while a lot of us have been focusing this week on the Packers injury report, which looks like it's going to turn out to be pretty good if Watson and Aaron Jones are going to play. Obviously, you'd like to see Jair Alexander play. We'll find that out later today on Thursday. Like it's not a great injury report for Detroit either. Like we knew Vitae was going to be out. Then it's reported on Thursday morning. Taylor Decker is also going to be out. And that's the strength of this Lions base. Like the whole team, I would say, is the uh, is the offensive line. David Montgomery unlikely to play also, which I always kind of felt was going to be the case since last week. They said week to week. I didn't think he'd play on a short week, which means that now it's like Jameer Gibbs in between the tackles for another week. And do we like that against a Packers defense? That's been pretty good to start the year here. So um, for me, it's a lean towards the Packers. I'll probably because I like to bet put a couple bucks on Green Bay. I don't think it's one of the best betting opportunities of the week, though, guys. Baldy, let me ask you, what did you learn last week from Jordan Love? Because it looked like they were out of that game. And, you know, the week before they had had lost and, and you f- figured like, all right, is he going to be able to show some magic here? And I thought they, they responded. Oh, Carl, they responded. I mean, they're down 17 nothing with 12 and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And it's not like they didn't move the ball. They just couldn't finish drives. And you look up and there's Dontavious Wicks and Jaden <laughs> Reed and Luke Musgrave. And it's just like it's freshmen. It's just a freshman class out there. And it's Jordan Love trying to. You know, he's got a, a left tackle making his first start, Rasheed Walker. Like, you know, they're young. But Jordan Love is just – like, he's he's really good. Like, his touch on uh, these fade routes in the end zone, he's been doing it every week, or, is magical. His Just his ability – like, you know, scouting, Carl, is the study of movement, right? When right. you study Jordan Love's movement, he's just elite movement and then elite movement in the pocket. We're like the guy in Atlanta – Desmond Ritter doesn't have any of that. Not yet. Maybe he gets it. He doesn't have it. Okay. Uh, but Jordan knows how to, he knows the feel. He doesn't sack himself. He never panics. And, you know, he, he just made one big play after another. This Jaden Reed out of Michigan State's a hell of a football player. Like I like, and then Rasheen, uh, Rashawn Gary has come back and he's in a reserve role right now in Green Bay where he's their pass rush specialist. Last week he had three sacks, quarterback hits. Like, They've got a lot of interchangeable parts on Green Bay's defense. And I really like the way that they're playing. I, I thought that was a big deal to come back. They knocked Derek Carr out. They almost knocked Jameis Winston out, to be honest with you. It was close. But I just like the way they're playing. And I like I like Jordan Love's touch in the pocket and what he does for that team. I do too. Uh, and we talked about this, Baldy, briefly. He's Aaron Rodgers-ish with those throws and the angles and the way he releases it. He's not Aaron Rodgers. But yes, but those angles and the way he releases the ball. Nick, let's continue, man, because 
everybody's looking at the Cowboys and the letdown last week. And now you've got the Patriots and Cowboys. Cowboys, six and a half point favorite. Where are you at on this game? Yeah, so this is this is going to be like, there are a lot of conversations we'll have that will be fun, like on-field handicaps. I like a side because I think they'll be able to take advantage of the slot cornerback, whatever like the, on, the on-field matchup might be. Um, this was a numbers play for me, though, and I can kind of explain why I like the Patriots at the number. I know it kind of flies in the face of, well, the Cowboys should smash them, Cowboys coming off the loss. Uh, I bet New England plus seven. I feel like that's a valuable number. I feel like if it ever comes back, so person listening to this right now if you agree with me and you like new england and you can find a seven this game will not close seven seven is one of the key numbers in the nfl along with three ergo i believe that makes it a valuable bet patriots plus seven so coming into the year kind of like the profile of the belichick mac jones uh, regime had been they lean on teams that they are better than and more talented than and they can blow those teams out or teams of, of of a similar talent level but when they have to step up in class they, they get their doors blown off. And we had seen that the last couple of years with Belichick and Mac Jones. So coming into the year this year, it's worth noting that they start with two home games, right? And they lose both those games and they don't cover the spread in either game. But they keep it close and really respectable against the Eagles in week one. A couple chances to win that game at the end. And then like the Cole Strange, like weird, like lateral fumble, like just short of the fourth down play at the end of Sunday Night Football week two against the Dolphins. So like they lose both those games. But I thought the Patriots kind of like acquitted themselves pretty well. Um, in each of the each of the first two games. Now, week three, like I, th- th- they're punting, they're being ultra conservative, and Zach Wilson on the other side. Like I don't want to put a ton of stock in that game. They did what they needed to do. They got out of the Jersey Meadowlands with the victory. So I do think the Cowboys are elite competition. And if what we saw in weeks one and two is true, that the Patriots can kind of hang a little bit. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but go toe to toe with an elite team. Uh, Dallas is an elite team. I'll take the Patriots here and I'll take them. I want seven Patriots plus the seven. And until the Cowboys prove that they can consistently punch the ball into the end zone when they're down by there and don't have to settle for field goals until that happens, I'm going to have a hard time backing Dallas in spots like this. So I'll take the Patriots for the reasons that I laid out. Baldy. Um, we talked about, you know, this, this Cowboys defense, um, and I'm curious, you know, after those first two weeks, right, it was unbelievable. They shut out both New York teams, basically. And then, you know, J- Joshua Dobbs <laughs> beats this defense. And now we we know. I, I feel like, you know, there were some injuries and all the things that we can make excuses for. But I'm just curious about your breakdown and what you saw in that game. Is there concern for Cowboy fans? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because you you have to understand how important Trayvon Diggs is to that defense. Like, and, and what it allows them to do. They can man up on the outside with those guys. And it really freed up Leighton Vanderesh to be just a rat in the middle of the field. And then Micah could just do whatever Micah wants to do. Like, without responsibility about rush lanes and all that kind of stuff. And he was just like their, their, their cat that they just let go. They, without him out there, they put Deron Bland out there. He got used pretty good in the game. But I think the, the concern is, Dallas reminds me of that team that play that plays basketball in a small gym. And once they start running and fast breaking and dunking, you can't stop them. But if you don't let them do that, the way Arizona ran for 222 yards, yeah. and you don't let them just go, like, get after the quarterback, they don't look all that daunting anymore. And that's what Arizona did. I mean, they ran the ball right at them for 222 yards, and they, they looked – like they they need some help in the inside of that defense right now. Um, and then, you know, to Nick's point, Nick's spot on. I mean, they drove the ball all four drives of the second half right down inside the 10. They came away with two field goals. They had the Kazir White interception. They lost one on downs. They haven't been good even in the first two weeks. They haven't been good in the red zone. And I think they have real problems here because I don't think they have an elite tight end they can just put the ball up to the way that they've had in the past. Even Dalton Schultz was – better than Ferguson. And so that is a real work in progress, finishing drives right now. Guys, I want to ask you this before I ask you about the number and what you think of this game. Are we seeing a historic offense in the Miami Dolphins? And then let's talk about the Dolphins-Bills game, which is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, uh, or should I say for the the Bills. Uh, Are we seeing a historic offense here? Go ahead, Nick. Nick. I mean, mean, look, I – it's historic last week because Denver couldn't get off the field and they just gave up one big play and they gave up 350 yards rushing. Look, Mike McDaniel is, I'm not going to call him a genius. There's a lot of smart football coaches, but he's going to, all he's trying to do 
is get your defense to hesitate with his motions, his shifts, his uh, personnel groupings. He's just trying to get you to hesitate. And he has his, his strength, really, of everything he does is he knows how to find running backs. He found Raheem Mostert. He drafted a Devon, Devon Chain. You just go through the list of these guys. Albert Morris in Washington, that was yep. his guy. Like he, so what his thing is, Carl, is these running backs got to be special. You got to be tough. You got to be able to hang on. But they got to be able to explode. And when the defense freezes, hesitates, Devonta Chain went by and ran for 200 yards. Like, that's his specialty. That's why Kyle would never let him leave. And so Buffalo will have their hands full when it comes to all of the stuff, pre-snap, all the window dressing, and trying to play fast. I uh, I, I turned 40 a couple weeks ago, Carl, or a couple months ago, and uh, I think the biggest regret I have in my life at age 40 now was drafting and then cutting Devon HN from my fantasy team. <laughs> I mean, I literally drafted him everywhere. I'm like, I love it. Like, like, it's like runs like 4-3 in the Daniel <laughs> offense. Then he's a healthy scratch in week one. Here's Salvan Ahmed. I end up dropping him from my roster. And then he goes for 200 yards and nine touchdowns on Sunday. This is absolutely brutal. Um, I just think it goes worth noting, and I'm not like a hashtag film bro, which is what I say on the show, and nothing wrong with that. I'm just not one of them. Just like watch the games like anybody else does. I think it just goes worth noting, right? Like Sean McDermott saying this week, like this is a revolutionary uh, scheme that Mike McDaniel's running. So again, like I'm not grinding the film, but just watching the games like looks looks pretty good. And he's got the chess pieces you need to kind of to force some mismatches, right? So this is the game of the day in the NFL on Sunday. Like I can't wait to sit down and watch it. Kind of evokes memories of when I was a kid, the great matchups with the Dolphins and the Bills, right? With Don Shula and Marino and Marv Levy and Jim Kelly. So I think this is going to be awesome. And from a betting perspective, guys, I think this is something that's pretty interesting, whether you're a better, whether you're into this stuff or not. Um, Miami looks like the best team in football right now. Dropped 70 points last week on the Broncos. The people that I talk to, whether it's your guests on the show, whether they're professional bettors or, you know, people that do content and bet, everyone likes Buffalo in this game. And this is not a setup for me to say, like, and they're all wrong. Like, they, they could all be right. It's Buffalo under a field goal, right? And I think if it goes to three, people don't like Buffalo anymore. I make my projected point spreads for every single game. And I feel like my numbers are usually like, doesn't mean I'm going to win, but I feel like the market will generally move towards my number. It's not in this game. I make Buffalo a one-point favorite. And what that means is I think the Dolphins are slightly better than the Bills on a neutral field. This point spread says that the betting market feels Buffalo is slightly better than Miami on a neutral field. So I have to bet my opinion in this game. And my opinion is that I, I like the Dolphins. I need to get three, though, to make the bet. We're currently on the cusp of, of, of three right now. My thought, though, is that once Jalen Waddle officially clears concussion protocol, practiced mm. in full on Wednesday. But like yeah. Mike McDaniel saying after practice that like Waddle's going to clear it at some point, right? Didn't play last week against the Broncos. Once that happens, I think we settle here at two and a half. So kind of like my, my goal now at some point in the next like four hours is to be able to find a good three to bet with Miami. So again, pretty much everybody on Buffalo under three. I'm going the other way. I'll bet three. I'll take three with the Miami Dolphins on Sunday on the road in Buffalo. I can't wait. It's going to be a great game. I totally agree. It's in the huddle, guys. Nick Costos joins us. You better you bet on a weekly uh, basis as we talk, obviously, gambling and games and and what we think about these uh, games coming up as week four gets underway tonight on Thursday night. All right. Two 0-3 teams. Is there some value here, Nick? Broncos after the embarrassment and then the Bears and how bad they've looked. Somebody's got to win on Sunday. What happens? Yeah, everyone, uh, everyone's got like a get rich quick scheme these days, right? I, I feel like everyone's missed the boat here. I've tried to tell everyone for three weeks now, you want to get rich quick, and I'm being facetious, obviously. You bet against the Chicago Bears, and I've done it the first three weeks of the season. Had the Packers in week one. That was really good. Uh, uh, Who did they get blown? Would they, uh, Tampa Bay in week two. I came on the show and took Tampa Bay. And then last week, obviously, oh, Kansas City 12 and a half. Was that a tough bet? Up 34 nothing at halftime. That felt pretty good. So, yeah, and this just shows you, like the Bears are, in my opinion, this is the worst team in football. And I think they're going to get the number one pick in the draft again. I think that they are kind of planting the seeds to make Fields the scapegoat here. The Glazer report on Sunday morning. Maybe we see Tyson Pagent play quarterback at some point this year. Can't be Peterman. We know what that is. Maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be Pagent and maybe Eberflus and company are out and, uh, and, and Fields is out. And then Poles gets to keep his job, hire a new coach, draft a new quarterback. Honestly, that might be best case scenario for Bears fans. So it's like the Broncos gave up 70 points on Sunday. 
And they got bet on Sunday night. That's how bad the Bears are. So this was two and a half. Denver favored by two and a half on the road at Chicago. I bet Denver two and a half on Sunday. Guys, if if Sean Payton is 49% of the coach that everyone thinks he is, and I'm not saying he is or isn't, if he's 49%, not even 50%, if he's 49% of the coach that we thought we think he is and what he was in New Orleans, the Broncos come out with their hair on fire and they smash the Bears in this game. And the game goes over the total because both defenses are absolutely dreadful. Uh, I'll, I would never bet Chicago. It's Denver or nothing. So if you if you just break it down like this, real simple. I mean, as simple as you can get. If you go Denver's offense, Chicago's offense, Denver's defense, Chicago's defense. You got three horrible sides of the football. But Denver's offense, they were in that game for a quarter and a half. It was a track meet. They couldn't keep up. You, right. you turn the ball over, Miami scores. It goes from 21-10 to 28-10. The game was like it was, it was. They ran away from it, but Denver can still move the football. There's still like there's issues in the red zone. There's some things that I know Sean Payton like he's maniacal about red zone offense. They're not finishing there. They had a touchdown score last week. Brandon Johnson had an offensive pass interference. Like some things are just killing them. But they're gonna like Chicago is the worst defense I've seen for this reason, not because they have the worst personnel, which they might. They don't take anything away. Like, if you're going to start your game plan against Kansas City and say, I don't care what happens, Travis Kelsey's not going to beat me. He's not going to beat me. I'm not going to let Taylor Swift, like, do her dance up there. It's not going to happen. <laughs> they treated Travis Kelsey like he's a third-team tight end. Yeah. Like, he just ran from one open spot to another open spot. And when I saw that, I go, what are they doing? Like, what is this zone designed to do? Because you just can't let Mahomes find Sky Moore or Travis Kelsey – or any or or Marquez Valdez Scantling on the other side of the field for a fifty yard touchdown that got called back because of the right tackle, but like they could have scored seventy, they shut it down after the first after they went up forty one nothing they shut it down they could have scored seventy on Chicago as well. It's going to be interesting, and and I agree with you about Sean Payton, you know, uh, and that's why I like the Broncos as well. All right, uh, Chiefs Jets. Everybody's on Zach Wilson. You know, Aaron Rodgers came out this week. And he, he's laid up at the crib, and he's like, "Look, we got, we got to stop pointing fingers." What happens here? Because the Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites against the Jets. I just don't trust the Jets' offense, man. I, I don't, I don't, I don't trust them. What do you think, Nick? Uh, well, well, like to be fair to Aaron Rodgers, like he's he's right. <laughs> about everything, about everything that he, not about everything that he says, I don't think, but certainly I thought he made a lot of sense with what he said a couple days ago on the Pat McAfee show for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is it's actually a really interesting betting game. So, point spread wise, I make the game 10. I already I bet Kansas City on Sunday night, just like it, it's a really easy button to click. And I'll talk about the one thing that kind of makes me a little nervous about this game. Baldy, you came on You Better You Bet yesterday, and my co-host Ken Barkley and I have talked about this over the course of the first three weeks of the season. Um, I think this is the best defense Mahomes has had in his time in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. and I, think, I think you said, Baldy, that you think this might be the best defense in the league right now with Kansas City. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's make this really easy for everybody. Mahomes on one side. Maybe best defense on the other. Zach Wilson's the quarterback of the other team. Great. I'll bet Kansas City. So here's the thing that kind of makes me a little nervous. So the Jets signed Trevor Simeon. I can't even believe like this is the conversation we're having, but I actually think it's a conversation worth having. So I'm not into like narratives, but I think this is worth worth saying. That stadium, and I'm from New York. That, and you don't need to be from New York to know this. That stadium is going to be bloodthirsty. That crowd's going to be bloodthirsty on Sunday night. First drive of the game, Zach Wilson throws the ball 15 yards like Uncle Rico over Garrett Wilson said. The boos are going to start raining down. That crowd is going to have no patience for any of this with Zach Wilson. It's not going to happen. So my fear is what happens if either before the game, Robert Sala says, you know what, like, I've been supporting Zach, but I think we need to make a change for this game. And it's either Simeon or it's Tim Boyle. It it doesn't matter who it is. Not Zach Wilson is the quarterback. I actually think you get like an inspired effort from the entire team, similar to what we saw the Monday night game against Buffalo when Rodgers goes out. Everyone elevates their level of play. Garrett Wilson makes a Cirque de Soleil touchdown in the end zone, a terrible throw by Zach Wilson. And maybe you get that. Also, maybe you get, Wilson's brutal through a quarter and a half or at halftime and Sala pulls him and puts Simeon or Boyle in and you kind of get that momentary like lift from that move. And I think that's the only way the Jets can keep this game close or cover the spread. But if 
We're going to believe Salah, which is that Wilson's the quarterback on Sunday. This is an easy bet for me to make. It could look, the Jets could win 20, 24-0, and I will still feel good about the bet that I have made. Kansas City favored by anything less than 10 on Sunday night. Baldy, I told Nick yesterday that when I watch Kansas City play, they I mean, I know Cleveland's number one across the board in every single statistic, and, and rightfully so. They've been, you know, there's quarterbacks that can't get 100 yards passing against them. But when I watch Kansas City play, there's a reason why they're the world champions. They shut the Eagles out basically in the second half of the Super Bowl. I think that the combination of Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed is the best combo of corners in this league. Like these two guys, like literally, they punked those Chicago Bears wide receivers. I don't care if it was DJ Moore, Chase Claypool. Like it didn't matter. Like they just punked them at the line of scrimmage. And they're gonna do they're gonna try to do the same to Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett's tougher than all those guys, but if the ball doesn't go to Garrett Wilson, it doesn't go to anybody for that. I mean, if they do complete a pass, it's the only guy that they really throw to that is a threat. You could talk about Lazard or Cobb or all these guys. And the offense line is going to try to, it, it, they rejuggled everything last week. You know, Joe Tipman makes his first start. Like, it's great. Like, they're trying to get their five best. You just need, you just don't come together and just all of a sudden fix all your mistakes against the best defense in football with Chris Jones. And he lines up wherever the pigeon is. Whoever he thinks the pigeon is, that's where he lines up to go eat. He's done it two weeks in a row. And he he's playing for the richest contract in football on the defensive side. That's what he's playing for. He said, okay, Nick Bosa, I want your money. And he probably will get it the way he's playing right now. It's a great point. All right, Nick, before we get out of here, follow Nick, guys. Nick Costos, you better you bet. I want to ask you about the Bengals. They got right last week. Uh, Burrow, I still don't think he's 100%, but I don't know if it matters, okay? I don't know if it matters. And this week they travel 1 o'clock window to the Titans, and this spread, you said you loved it. What's going on with the Bengals? Yeah, so um, Monday night, I had the Rams at various numbers because, like, I I wanted to see it from Joe Burrow, right? And, like, thankfully, the Rams scored a touchdown at the end of the game to kind of push the closing line, won some earlier bets on the Rams. But if that's going to be what Burrow is, and that's going to be what Burrow is in this game, uh, the Bengals are going to win this game by 17 points. Uh, I just... He doesn't, he could be hobbling around like the bad guy from Men in Black or like Hodor from Game of Thrones, and it's not going to make a difference. Like, just give him like two seconds to throw, and he will throw it to Chase and Higgins and Boyd, and maybe Irv Smith is back and Mixon. And the Titans' defensive front is ferocious. Like, they are awesome. Baldy can speak better to that than I can, right? How good that front is for Tennessee. Also, the secondary is hot garbage. It's a pass funnel. Everyone can pass on them. They made Deshaun Watson look like he was you know, five years ago in Houston last week. So what's Joe Burrow going to do this week? And like Chase finally like snapped out of it last Monday night, had a great game. T Higgins, I think on eight targets, went two for 21, had a couple balls like bounce off his chest. He's too good for that to happen again. I think it's a big time bounce back spot for T Higgins. And what we have here, guys, from a betting perspective, right? It's like a like Black Friday, right? Where you can go get like an 82-inch television for like uh, $500. This is like the Black Friday discount on the Cincinnati Bengals because of Joe Burrow's ankle. Like really? The Bengals are favored by less than a field goal at Tennessee? No way. So look, maybe Burrow gets hurt. He re-aggravates the calf first series of the game and we lose. And like we just lose. But if Burrow's going to finish the game, I think Cincinnati wins comfortably. Uh, I made this bet on the Bengals and felt great about it. I also think Joe Burrow is worth a look in MVP markets. Bengals are worth a bet to make the playoffs right now where they're basically even money. Mm. Like, they win this game. They're favored to win. They're 2-2. Two and two. And like and a soft schedule coming up and then an early bye week for Burrow to get right. So I, I think this is not just a great betting opportunity this week for the Cincinnati Bengals, but I think like if things go well for Burrow and he doesn't have to leave the game, I think it's arrow pointing way up on this team getting back to where we thought they were going to be to start the season. The last time Cincinnati went to Tennessee, they won, but Joe Burrow was sacked nine times and hit 14 times in a playoff win that came down to the final field goal. Yeah, I bet I bet Tennessee minus two and a half at close so, four. That was that was fun. It, that it's was fascinating crazy. to watch. Like you, you, you literally game plan to win the game. So Joe Burrow is on one leg, literally on one leg. It's it, it's scary because we need great quarterbacks in this league. Otherwise, yep. this game's thing. Yep. Right. So um he 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 dropped back 51 times. Everyone was in shotgun. The only play action pass he had was at the end when he hit Chase for a 43 yarder that opened the game up. Like he has to get rid of the ball in two seconds. 
and it has to come out that fast. Mm. And literally anything else right now, I mean, if they start hitting them like Aaron Donald hit them a couple of times, that right leg gets picked up and all he's doing, trying to do is protect himself. Like it worries me. They need him to somehow do what he did last week. It doesn't matter how they win. It could be by two and a half points. They need him to find a way to get through this game and win. And I think they're going to have their hands full in Tennessee. Oh, like, God, that's not what that I wanted to hear. Eat a lot. That's not what I wanted to hear from Baldy. Yeah, defense I, is good. Still I, winning, I, Nick. I'm not saying they can't win it. You know, McPherson can still kick a field goal with no time on the clock. And <laughs> Please, and okay. I'll sign yeah, up for that in blood. You're going to suffer all game long. Oh, well, let, let me tell you something. What's new, man? What's, what's the, new? The offensive line, Baldy, you're right. Concern there to protect. I, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Nick, tell the people about you, where they can find you, man. Yep, you better. You bet weekdays, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can search us uh, podcast form. You bet wherever you find your podcast. Also, we're now being carried by our friends at Stadium every day from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, nice. And that is, uh, I have my thing here. Uh, watchstadium.com, YouTube TV, Roku, Amazon, Fubo TV, Samsung TV, plus Tubi, and more. Uh, so you better, you bet again, weekdays, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. My man, Nick Costos, take care. Enjoy the games this weekend, my man. We'll talk Wish, to you next week. Wishing everybody minimal sweats, winning bets, the absolute very best of luck. <laughs> there he is, Nick Costos, guys. All right. Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger with you here on In the Huddle. And Baldy, uh, let's talk about what we saw last week because it always matters. And I think what we saw, and I want to just start with the Dolphins. It's been the biggest story because we haven't seen a team score 70 points in forever. Um, and, and, you know, as that game played out, it's the most points scored in a game since 1966, right? Mm-hmm. 72 points by the Giants back then, which is still incredible to think how the league has changed and some team was able to score 72 back in the day. But Tyreek had 157 yards, and it was like he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. This game was unbelievable to me and how they manipulated the Broncos. And I know you did a Baldy's breakdown on this. Check out Baldy's breakdowns, guys. What's the deal with this Dolphins offense? Because everybody's wondering, are they going to be this good? Not 70, but this good week in and week out. Well, they're not going to score 70, but um, they did shut it down. I mean, Mike White came in there, and they had backups everywhere, and they still scored. Um, like I, you know, this Mike McDaniel, like he comes out of Kyle Shanahan's system. All right. So there's a, there's a shift. There's a motion every play. And there's a lot of movement before the snap. A lot of teams do it. Um, they're a little bit different because they have so many different formations. They can have Mostert and a chain on the field together in a variety of ways. But all they're trying to do is get you to hesitate for a second, Carl just to freeze, just to get your eyes wrong. And it's interesting, you know, Mike McDaniel has said in a number of different interviews, and I've, I've known him a long time, that when you look like I do, like you look like, you know, that mathematician, <laughs> and you look like that, you better be able to teach. You better be able to do something that's different than everybody else is doing. And he's built his whole profile like that, Carl. Like he has to be better and different than everybody else because he can't stand in front of the room the way Sean Payton has, you know, or, or Bill Belichick, and he got right. all these pellets on the wall. He doesn't have any of that. Um, and he's – those guys all played, you know, coach with Bill Parcells and he's Hall of Fame coach. He doesn't have any of that. So that's part of it. But then his, his, his strength is he just knows how to find running backs. So this Devon Chain, everybody knew at Texas A&M he could run. He could run fast. He was explosive. But he was like, that's Raheem Mostert, too. And he found Raheem Mostert off the scrap heap. He'd been cut by four or five different teams, practice squads. And he's like, this is what I need. I need a guy that when that defense hesitates or blinks for that second, that this guy runs right by him. That's what Mostert did to the uh, Patriots at the very end of that game. Went 43 yards for a touchdown. And the Patriots just froze for a second. And he ran right by him. And that's what this chain did all day on Sunday. So that's part of it. And then... Like, what they're doing with Tyreek Hill now, like, they, they've got this little formation. Nobody has it. He's he's literally can't see him. He's hiding behind the left tackle, and he's crouched down, and he's looking at Tua, and then he just kind of bursts from, like, there's not even a route. He's just running. And he might stop. He might go. He might go out. Like, you don't really know what he's going to do. And the defense is just froze by the speed. And they just start backing up and 
Tua just hits him. And then there's all these play action passes, you know, the, like it's just clever. Like it's just That's a great word. I remember, yeah. Like going way back, Carl, like, you know, Kyle has had him in Cleveland, Atlanta, mm-hmm. you know, San Francisco. He never would let him leave. Like he's had opportunities. Kyle wouldn't let him go. Made him the highest paid assistant coach in football. He knew his value. And I remember one game when he was in San Francisco and the 49ers run for 250 yards against Ron Rivera's Carolina Panthers. And I do this breakdown and I get a call like, I don't know, Tuesday. I get a call on Tuesday after the breakdown. It's Ron Rivera. He's like, what are you doing, Baldy? I'm like, I'm just in the film room, just watching my, he goes, my wife showed me your video of what the 49ers did to my defense. I really want to talk to you about it because, you know, they, you know, they had probably the best middle linebacker in football at the time. Keith and Lee. he's like unblocked on these plays and the, the backs are going right by him. And I was just like, this is what these motions and shifts do. Like you, you, you're getting, you're taking yourself out of position. Anyways, it was, long story. Like Ryan was like, I'm a gap defense. Like I know how to coach defense. All right. <laughs> I, like I, I coach with Jim. John. I know how to play a gap defense. Right. My guys aren't in their gaps, Baldy. Like I, I couldn't fix it. So he was like going, and I think Sean Payton is looking at the same thing, Carl. He's not like going, I've been coaching offense a long time. Had number one offenses with a Hall of Fame quarterback. I've never seen anything like this. Like he's got to be truthful to himself, to Vance Joseph. And so everybody should study this tape and see what they did. It's a great point. McDaniel's story, by the way, it's in the huddle. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man, Brian Baldinger. Of course, Jason Lock on four, part of this podcast as well. We're going to look ahead to some of the games coming up on Sunday. But part of McDaniel's story, if you're not familiar with it, it's just it's really fascinating. And I agree with you, Baldy. And it gets back to there are more ways in this NFL world, all right, to go about it than yes. just the traditional. Yes. My dad was a coach. You right. know, my uncle was in the business that we know there's a lot of that, but this is not that. I mean, this is a kid who literally was riding his bike to Broncos camp as a kid and was yeah. just wanting to be around football and has turned into this brilliant mind offensively that you're seeing week in and week out. And you're right behind the scenes. And Baldy can speak to this. There are guys in every organization that we don't know about, or you don't know about that are helping with game planning every week. Yep. And they're brilliant, but they're behind the scenes, so they're not the names that we hear every week in the press conferences or the guys you get to talk to. I told Michael McDaniel when he got the Dolphins job, I told him, I said, dude, you're with the Texans. I didn't even know you were in the building. Like, right. he was there with Shanahan when Shanahan yeah. was 28 yeah. years old. So, to your point, Baldy, these guys, I, I credit Mike McDaniel because I think he's going to open up another door for coaches who haven't played who don't have that pedigree of coaching for Hall of Fame coaches or whatever the circumstances may be, just give me a shot and let me show you. And he's he's doing that. Well, that, and then if you go back to like Jimmy Johnson in Dallas, like his whole thing was speed. I want speed. I want speed everywhere. Speed on defense. I want speed at receiver. I I want speed. And really that's, you know, so Mike has like all of these machinations about how to move and how to put the defense in certain positions but the ultimate play is the speed. Like, if you look at their speed, I mean, even Robbie Anderson or Braxton Berrios. Like, why did you go get Braxton Berrios? He was the fastest jet. You know, he might have my skin color, but that guy <laughs> can flat out run. He can fly. Right? So you look at Robbie Chosen. You look at Braxton Berrios, Waddle, Tyreek, a chain, Moster. Like, Carl, nobody has that speed. Nobody. And so if you blink, if you freeze, if you hesitate, these plays are happening and that's all part of the philosophy. It's incredible to watch. By the way, it just came out, Baldy. David Montgomery will play according to Tom Pelissero. So Montgomery's well, going to play. And I know that, you know, Dan Campbell likes him tonight and he might even start, but Jameer Gibbs got a chance to start last week. He went for 80 yards. He looked like, good. He is like he's he's good. I mean, you know, I mean, you saw him at Georgia Tech, you saw him at Alabama. Like good. this guy, there's a reason why. And he look, you you've got Bijan on the field last week, you know, and the best running back is Jameer Gibbs. Yep. By far. Now it's just one game, but he's like he can really like David Montgomery will break a lot of tackles. You want him on your team. He's a tough guy, he's a good blocker. Jameer Gibbs can hit home runs for you. 
Taylor Decker is not expected to play tonight as we talk about the Thursday night football game, Detroit at Green Bay. Listen, I'll say this, and I don't know if this is Detroit for the rest of the season, but man, they were physical, baldy last week. I mean, it was, if you just, I mean, I wish I could have just had the sound on the field to hear the impacts of some of those plays and and guys getting aftered up front. It was a physical game. And, and if they're going to play that way, okay, and they're taking on Dan Campbell's attitude and, and his his approach, that they are going to be in almost every game because physically they were they got after it. I, I just I just don't know about some of the other things that we question with the Lions as they're on the road tonight against Green Bay. So, uh, you know, we all remember the uh, the TV show on Friday nights growing up, Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. No, I I, I nicknamed it Branch and Hutch. Like those two guys, <laughs> Brian Branch, Aiden Hutchinson, they put on a show last week. Woo! Like this this Brian Branch now, like he now I know he was you know he was like that kind of in between guy in Alabama. And that's what they've got him playing now. Like he can cover tight ends, he can cover receivers, he can blitz, he can make. He had four tackles behind the line of scrimmage, and then you get Hutch, and they play on the same side a lot. Um, Hutch was those two guys were the two best defensive players on the field, maybe the two best football players on the field last week. Um, they're building this thing brick by brick in Detroit. There's still some, some you know, there's still some points where you got to you know you just got to keep climbing, you got to keep rising. You got to keep getting better and polishing things, but they're they're putting really talented players on the field in Detroit right now. Let's talk about some of the other games. Uh, obviously, Cowboys red zone problem. Is it a real red zone problem? And what are you seeing? Is it Dak or is it McCarthy with the play calling down there? Well, even last week when they had the number one offense football before they went to Arizona. <clears throat> They were five of 10. They were in the red zone 10 times. They scored five touchdowns. That's mean five times they kicked field goals. Um, so they weren't very good going into the game. And then in the second half, they, we kept watching the game. You kept waiting for Dallas to like punch it in the end zone, 21-13. Let's go tie it up. Let's go win it. Because that's been the MO of Arizona was they couldn't finish games out. <clears throat> Dallas couldn't do it. And so you look at all the different, the four different red zone uh, opportunities down there including the interception by Kazir White. Um, you know, it's. I, I think some of it is design. Some of it is poor throws. Some of it is a little indecision. Some of it is it's, it's a mix of everything. Like C.D. Lamb is their best player. They can't get the ball to C.D. Lamb in the red zone right now. He was up against a, a rookie corner out there. Um, he well, couldn't he he just... win. You got to throw it out there, though, don't you? I mean, see, here's you gotta my – You got to give him a chance. You got to give him a chance. Here's my issue, and, and, and again – it's early, but I see Dak seemingly being hesitant. Like, if I see that, right, we talk to these quarterbacks, we talk to these quarterback coaches, these head coaches, only throw it out there. I would rather take a chance there and let my man make a 50-50 ball than throw it into the arms of a, of a guy that's not open into the DB, uh, you know, being able to pick it off. If you pick that ball off, I can live with that because I'm going to my best guy. That is what I'm seeing, like, with Dak, that hesitation, and I don't know what that stems from. If he's like, you know, uh, from last year, it's still he's still mentally, you know, in a place where he doesn't want to make a mistake. But either way, and I didn't like his comments either, Baldy, after the game where he was like, you guys got what you wanted, meaning the media, as if, you know, we were hoping the Cowboys lose. I don't know if you heard him, but he was like, you know, you guys, the fans and, and the media got what they wanted. He, I think right now, and I hope I'm wrong, I still feel like he's in his head a little bit. I still feel like Dak is not just playing free. Yeah, I look. I I don't listen to a lot of press game, uh, post game press conferences, but that that line that you just said, Carl, is shocking to me, because it it has nothing to do with us or the media or anybody else. That's right. Like it's your it's about the fifty three guys in that room, and finishing a game out and coming from behind and going to win a tough game, um, when your defense isn't all world, and the offense has to pick it up, and they did they weren't able to do it. That's all on the quarterback. It's always on the quarterback. Like, you just accept that responsibility. They pay you $50 million. It's not even about the money. That's the responsibility of a franchise quarterback. Accept all the responsibility. And the answer is always the same, Carl. I got to play better. That's on me. That's it. That's all it is. It's nothing to do with, uh, now I know you guys are happy. No. The only answer to be given in that situation when you're literally 0 for 4 in the red zone in the second half, the only answer is, 
I got to get, I got to figure this out. I got to play better down there. It's all on me. I can't throw an interception in that spot. Like whatever, but that's the only answer, period. Paulie, uh, and as you see, New England at Dallas, you told me before the season started, and I totally agreed with you, you said New England's offense outside, receiver-wise, they didn't scare anybody. It's better under Bill O'Brien. It's better. You see it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it's going to be that much better to put them over the top, not only in this game. I'm just talking about projecting here. As we talked about it before the season, and I'm I'm watching New England, and I'm going, I still feel the same way, Baldy. Yeah. Well, they ran the ball better last week. They got, you know, they got more of them. They got Trent Brown at left tackle. They weren't playing, you know, they still, they're still not great, but they're, you know, they got their guards back in there. Um, They played, they ran the ball much, much better than they had um, against a pretty good defense in in New York. But, you know, Zeke had a good game. You know, Stevenson had a good game. I just feel like if you're not taking shots down the field, you're not, you're not playing by NFL rules. We see these crazy yep. defensive pass interference penalties. Like if you watch Cleveland, Deshaun Watson's not playing great. But one thing that offense does is they take shots. They and they just keep coming. Now they're but they got four defensive penalties off it. And a lot of them were big chunk plays, 40-yard, you know, pass interference penalties. If you're not taking those shots and at least getting a penalty here or 40-yard defense. Like or a first down or third down or a defense holding illegal contact. Like if you're not doing that, then you're not attacking by NFL rules. And I feel like they're just far too conservative, and they just don't have the playmakers down the field. The defense will keep them in every game. They've been in every game so far. Yeah. They this Christian Gonzalez is already as good a cornerback as there is. Like I'm not saying he's the best cornerback in football. I'm not saying that, but he is. He can play man, press man, off zone. Like he can bait quarterbacks. He's a talented. They they struck gold. That that's a great player, and they're using him in a variety of ways. Baldy, uh, we got three three and O teams. I just want to know which one you think is the best. Um, as we talk about this, guys, it's in the huddle. Subscribe. Watch us on YouTube. By the way, it's in the huddle pod on YouTube. Subscribe and don't miss an episode as we get into the meat of what's going on in the NFL. Heading into week four here, 49ers obviously um, are one of those teams. And I'm looking at these undefeated teams and I'm going, okay, truly who is the best undefeated team? Eagles won the other night. We know that. Uh, they're at home against the Commanders on Sunday. They're 3-0. and Who's the best undefeated team in your opinion and why? I think the I'm going to see the Eagles this week against Washington. I think the Eagles are because I think they're built best in the trenches. Yeah. Jalen isn't playing his best football yet, but he but he will. I mean, it's just a, every year it's a new dance. You got to get together, you know, your timing down the field, deep shots. That's all coming. But I just feel like when you look at their defensive line rotation, this Jalen Carter, like he's a monster, Carl. He's an absolute monster. He's gotten better each game. And he's become more and more dominant every game. Like he just was the best defensive player on the field um, on Monday night against Tampa. Period. Was that your was that your breakdown where he he's getting double teamed and then he comes off of the double team and and he's still able to put pressure on 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 Baker Mayfield? Oh, he's, he's, he pressured the quarterback seven different times. Didn't matter if he was double teamed, not double teamed. The safety, he just slapped the guard to the ground, crushed the the center, you know. And Rashad White had no place to go. Um, but but if you just say, okay, Fletcher Cox, you know, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu, like their defensive tackle rotation, like they're, they're fantastic. And then, but the 49ers, I think, are the most complete team. Okay. Like at every position defensively, the linebacker play, the safeties, the front, like I think they're the most complete defense and the most complete team. Like you can't get – this Brock Purdy to make a mistake, Carl. He just they played without the best receiver in Brandon Ayuk. Didn't skip a beat. He's good. Miami is the team that can on any given day do it. Not they're not gonna score 70, but they can just explode on you and you got to play a track meet with them. And then can you keep up if they start executing like that? Now, I think defensively they're good, they're but they're they're not playing great. I think you can run on them. Teams have run on them. Um so they look a little incomplete to me right now. Not as complete as Philadelphia and San Francisco. Not to say that they can't beat both those teams because offensively they're really good. It's interesting. 
you know, this Brock Purdy, like his dad, Brock Purdy's dad grew up in Arizona, but his dad was a Miami Dolphin fan. And so Brock grows up and because his dad loves the Dolphins, they watch him every chance they get. He became a Dan Marino fan. Ah. So that's why he wears number 13. He wears number 13 to honor Dan Marino. And it just so happens that he got his, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt against the Dolphins last year. And Dan Marino was in the stands that day. Wow. There's Brock Purdy seeing his idol on the field before the game and then going out there and he's not Dan Marino. But I'm just saying, like, like all these things, you just go, all these things just kind of keep adding up to the way that he plays. And he's just, honestly, he's just the most regular, normal guy. And he'll say that he is. It's just that he's really good at football. That's what he's good at. And he, but outside of that, he's not looking for headlines or publicity or any of that stuff. He's just good at football. Yeah, which is actually perfect for that situation, right? He's not seeking All the, the stars are around him. Yes. Like, you know, Kittle and, and McCaffrey. Debo and McCaffrey and the coach. Yep. Like, they can have – and Nick Bosa. They can have all the stars. Like, he's fine with that. Like, he, he just sits in the background and in the shadows, and he's perfect in that situation. Yeah. And by the way, since Shanahan and, and you know, Lynch took over, th- this franchise, man, they've just ascended – and they've been on the cusp. I mean, they've been very close, right? They've been a Super Bowl, you know, they, they've been right there. And this is looking at their roster, to Baldy's point. They've got all the makings. I mean, yeah. they could easily get back there this season. Baldy, we got to talk about the Jets. Uh, because Joe Douglas and I think Robert Sala have major decisions to make. And here's the reason why. And I want to get your opinion on this. So going into the season, we all thought that they had at least a defense that could be maybe the number one defense in the league, and certainly keep them in games. And then you had the Aaron Rodgers factor, and we don't have to relive that. You guys all know if you're following us and you're following this football thing, you know what that was. But what is the message now to the other guys in the locker room who are still trying to win, Baldy, who put in all the work? They're not hurt. No disrespect to Aaron. We, we love you. We know what you got to go through to get back here. But we are here. There's guys that have put in the work, and they're like, dude, we need a chance to win. And this is why I think – as if the Jets are giving up on the season and how do those guys in that locker room feel like damn I thought we were close and now we're just we're just you know we're giving up yeah well um I was up there yesterday and uh they lost the last seven games in a row last year now they they won their opener against Buffalo because of their defense and special teams <clears throat> but the offense and the offense line has been terrible and so the players and in a, a bunch of guys like Quentin Williams who got paid this year, they're just mm. sick of losing, Carl. You know, Sauce Gardner is sick of losing. They're just sick of it. That's all they've experienced, you know, outside of one win against Buffalo um, when the quarterback went down. And Zach does not inspire any confidence uh, in anybody. I don't care what they say. And the coach can come out and support him. That's great. And then you, you could go out there and sign, you know, a journeyman quarterback. That doesn't change anything. Like I would have – I would have rather pulled Matt Ryan out of a CBS booth and to put try. Matt Ryan on that team. Yeah, I'd rather do that than what they did this week, and just go. Let's just get Matt up to speed. Like, like, like let's if if we they, we struggle this week against Kansas City, like I'm sure they will. Like, let's just get this guy ready. Let, let's. I don't care who it is. Like, go get me a quarterback right now that has won in this league, knows how to do it, knows how to prepare, knows how to step into a huddle and take charge. Um. You can't play this game. And I know the offense line was terrible. I'm not putting it all on Zach. But you need somebody that can inspire some confidence. And that team is just waiting for that person to walk through the door. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe he's wearing number two right now. I know Joe Namath went off and all these people have gone off. And yeah. I'm not here to, like, say Zach Wilson will never be a quarterback. But it's with a, with a shaky offensive line right now. And maybe they get a little bit better in their second week. They had three different guys playing three different positions last week. Um, that's not fair to any quarterback. But I'd rather go get Matt Ryan. Make a trade for somebody that might be available, that has played in this league, um, went through training camp. But what they did and who they brought in doesn't inspire any confidence. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes, it's in the huddle, guys. Before we wrap up, Baldy, I got to ask you and talk a little bit about the guy that I'm, I'm surprised, at least three weeks in, and I think he's been the best rookie quarterback, and that's C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young, we know he didn't play last week, but even when he played, he was struggling. Um, Anthony Richardson has looked better when he's on the field 
than Bryce Young. And then I watched C.J. Stroud last week. We're going to see this week at home against the Steelers how he performs. But Baldy, he's got all the throws. He looks poised. And I've been impressed so far. What are you seeing in your Baldy breakdowns with this Texans team? And listen, they don't have the talent that some of these other teams have. But just from a quarterback standpoint, I think C.J. Stroud may be on to something here. Oh, definitely. I mean, they they struck they 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 picked the right guy. Um, he's got a trio of receivers right now in Nico Collins, you know, a young guy that people didn't really think could ever really mature into something special. But he's got great timing with him. You've got this rookie Tank Dell out of Houston, who is a Houston kid, went to University of Houston. Like this kid is just a, a live wire. And and then you've got Robert Woods, and they've done it without Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. Um but he just he, he just has great rapport with all those guys. And they they beat Jacksonville down with his throws. I mean, he's averaging over 300 yards a game right now, Carl, in yeah. his first three starts. Yeah. They broke through last week. Will Anderson, you know, blocks a field goal. Um, they, they've got some young talent. But C.J. Stroud, not only is he the best rookie quarterback, I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks right now. He's definitely in the top ten right now the way that he's playing. And he makes it look really easy, Carl. He really does. CJ uh, will have to contend with TJ <laughs> this weekend. And I just love this dude, man. I mean, I know we've talked about him. I just, uh, there's something about him. And uh, I just enjoy watching him. I-, I enjoy his effort and how he goes about his business. But it'll be interesting. I'm sure, you know, he's looking to go there and, and grab a couple of more sacks this weekend. No doubt. No doubt. It's, it's, uh, his his game is just beginning. It's just the, the light bulb has been turned on and the effort and the moves, everything is there. All right, Baldy. Great stuff as always, guys. We are going to continue to be here for you guys. In the huddle, subscribe, follow Baldy, check out his breakdowns. They're absolutely funny and hilarious to me because I'm always like, when I hear Baldy go, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I always find it hilarious as you get uh, the Baldy Breakdowns week in and week out. Also, follow our man Jason Lock on forward. We're back next week. We'll be breaking down all the games, talking about all the things in the NFL. This is what it's all about, guys. Week four. We'll see what happens. It starts tonight. Lions-Packers as we record this on Thursday, and we'll see how the week plays out. Baldy, great job, man. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. See you, Carl. Everybody else. Weekend. You guys, too. Take care, everybody. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 